Thank you for downloading this podcast from Bromley Town Church. We pray this message will refresh and encourage you. For further information about Bromley Town Church, you can go to our website, www.bromleytownchurch.com. Come and take your seats. It's good to see you in the house of God this morning. We trust that you are blessed. We trust that you're encouraged and strengthened in God. We welcome you here to Bromley Town Church. Please feel at home here. This is your home and we want you to be uh, just comfortable uh, amongst us. Comfortable and yet also hearing God. It is a great privilege for us today to have a dear friend of mine of a number of years. A number of you will know uh, the Reverend Dr. Francis Agbana. He has been known to me, I'm not quite sure how many years, Francis, but... We have, uh, there was a while that we didn't meet, and then recently we've been meeting more regularly. Francis is wanting me to pastor him, and if you knew Francis, oh my days, that is just like a a statement beyond my understanding. Uh, Francis has a powerful anointing uh, in the prophetic, and it's just a privilege for him to be here with us today. Francis recently has been ministering out in Africa, and uh, all sorts of places. You, I hope that we might hear some bits and pieces of testimony about that. We'll see how it goes, Francis. But, uh, and of course, your family is here as well. Where's Vicky? Vicky, you're at the back. You're at the back there. So, Vicky, we bless you and everybody. Look, that's Francis's wife. They do talk every now and again, but today they thought they'd just give a bit of a separation for the segment. It's good to see you here in the family as well. God bless you. Francis, please come up and uh, let's give Francis a round of applause. And come and minister to us. God bless you. Great. Holy Spirit, we want to hear you and we want to hear what you've got for this, your body, your people. So we bow to you and we take into captivity every captivity and we release your presence. We activate the mysteries of your kingdom and we declare and proclaim that we are ready. Amen. Amen. I have with me a fellow elder, Elder James, I have to tell you this because uh, God is doing something in the land we can't afford to ignore. God is bringing together the elders of the nation, the men and the women that he has brought together to this place for his purpose. They may not be recognized by you, but God knows them. I was fasting and praying, and asking God, God, why have you brought me here? He said, do you want to know? I said, yes. He said, okay, let's get on the bus. I said, God, where are we going? He said, I'm going to show you somebody. So okay. So I got on this bus, and then I met James. He was just wearing a short. I was wearing an African attire. Look at me, and he said, are you Nigeria? I said, no, I'm not. And the Lord said, that's the guy. I said, what? Not him. I said, Lord, this guy is a reformist. I don't want reformation anymore. He said, that's the guy. He's somebody that I have sent here for a purpose. But he's not known by people who are in the flesh. So we met ever since, and we kept talking, praying. He's a good man. Um, so... I was coming here, and the Lord said that I should bring him. I don't know why, but he's here, and he loves the Lord. Now, let's get on with business today. 
I'm going to share a talk with you. I don't want to preach. I'm going to share a talk. I was asked to preach, but I don't want to preach. I know how to preach. But I want to share a talk with you on surprised by God. Turn to someone and say, surprised by God. Or do you prefer surprised by the Lord? Which one is better for you? And I've got two passages that I have uh, decided uh, through the leading of the Lord to use. The first one is Isaiah chapter 18, verse 1 to 5. It's a bit long. You may not read all of it. But I would like somebody who speaks the Queen English to read it for me because I don't speak the Queen's English, you see. I speak seven different languages, write five of them. Um, I have a... It's not good to come this way, okay. Yeah, so if I can get help to read this passage in Isaiah chapter 18, verse 1 to 5, that would be very helpful. Chapter 18, verse 1 to 5. Help me with that, please. Oh, sorry. Woe to the land of whirring wings along the rivers of Cush, which sends envoys by sea and a papyrus boats over the water. Go, swift messengers, to a t people tall and smooth-skinned, to a people feared far and wide, an aggressive nation of strange speech, whose land is divided by rivers. All you people of the world, you who live on the earth, when a banner is raised on the mountains, you will see it, when a trumpet sounds, you will hear it. This is what the Lord says to me. I will remain quiet and will look on from my dwelling place, like shimmering heat in the sunshine, like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. For before the harvest, when the blossom is gone and the flower becomes a ripening grape, he will cut off the shoots with the pruning knives and cut down and take away the spreading branches. Thank you. That's a long text, is it? Don't worry, I'm not going to give you the hermeneutics of that text or the homiletics of that text or the theological understanding of that text. I promise you that I won't do that. But there are a number of things that I want to pick from that passage and then we'll talk, we'll have a conversation. One of the important things that I've picked up in this text is that it's talking about rivers. Did you see that? The first verse talking about rivers. These guys are going to be traveling beyond the rivers. Did you see that? The first uh, verse. And then the second verse is talking about uh, sending messages by sea. Did you see that? And they will glide over the waters in a boat made of what? Papyrus. What is that? Papyrus coming from where? From where? From Egypt, the Nile, right? And then they say, you, swift messengers. Did you see that? Or you don't have that in the Bible? You, swift messengers. To a nation of tall, is it? Tall, smooth-skinned people. Well, I was asking my children and, uh, this morning, 
Whether smooth-skinned people means white people, I'm going to be plain tall. <laughs> they say the Bible didn't say that. But see, there is something prophetic in this passage that we want to look at. To a people that are feared far and wide. I want to say today, thank you. Because years ago, some of your ancestors decided to come to my ancestors. They brought civilization. They brought reading. They brought the gospel. And many of them died for us to know Jesus. It doesn't mean that we were not worshiping. It doesn't mean that we didn't have prophetic experiences. We didn't have some things going on. But they brought the written word, the sacrifice. And then there is a church that is born from that. And God has sent us back to you as the harvest of the labor of your ancestors. So bear with us because something is going on here. There is a dynamics going on here. That your ancestors have sown in tears, labor, and hard work. And here we are. But I'm very surprised because I cannot be like an Englishman. Maybe I don't need to be. I cannot be like uh, you, and you cannot be like me. Even uh, my own children, I am uh, blessed that they love me, they understand me, and we relate to each other. And the surprising thing is that God loves me as I am, and he loves you as you are. What am I trying to introduce to you? There is uh, something called missional factor. The factor of mission. How are you going to become a missional person? How are you going to acquire the mission mindset and do what God wants you to do and go where God wants you to do in order to become a partner with God to bring into manifestation the kingdom of God? Friends, I was surprised by God the first time when I was sick. Some people don't know that. I pray and I see a lot of healings, a lot of deliverances, a lot of power manifestation, but people don't know where it came from. Years ago, I was sick, and they took me to the hospital, and they diagnosed that I had blood cancer called leukemia. And the doctor said that I was not going to be healed. And those days, there were not better treatment like now, and they left me to go home and die. I'm here to let you know that there is hope for your future. I am not promising you that I'm going to pray a quick prayer and you will be healed. But I have come to let you know that God heals cancer. He heals AIDS. He heals all kinds of things. But how do you get your healing? How do you work with God by just submitting yourself to him and being at the right place at the right time and willing to obey God. So they brought me home to die and I was lying there, I was dying, honestly. Because uh, I was going through some hallucinations, I was seeing some things and there was a time when I was even seeing my own grave in the room where I was lying and for over a month I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink anything. And my parents were very worried. 
But guess what? One of the days I was still lying there, and there was a light in one of the corners, a bright light. And the gentleman walked out of the light from the corners. The door was locked. He called me by my name, and he said, rise up, you are healed. And he said, go and tell everybody who wants to hear about this story. And when they believe, I will heal them. Now, there are three important things that I want you to know, friends. It is not true that God doesn't like you. It is not true that this church is not going to grow. It is not true that the promises that God gave you or the revelation that he gave you are not going to come to pass. The only thing that is true is what are you going to do with what God is telling you to do for him? There was a time when we got this whole thing messed up. We are very busy doing what we feel good doing. And God is shouting and saying, come, come back to the place where I have called you. And let's do this together because you can't do it on your own. Friends, it's very easy in this technology world that we are in, in the western part of the world. Information is available to you at the click of a button. And you can have the money that you want on credit card. So some of you, you don't know what it feels like to suffer. You don't understand poverty. You don't understand how you can go without food for 30 days. You call it starvation. Some of you don't understand how you go to prison. You don't understand how you go where God wants to go. But I have come to tell you about a God who cares about the needy about a God who cares about people who are abandoned and that don't fit the description of normal people in our midst. Why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because I believe strongly that God has called you as a church. He has called you as families and as individuals for a time such like this. And God has called you and position you here not to be doing only what you are doing now. The leader of this church, you call him pastor, but he's not a pastor. He's an apostle. In the realm of the spirit, God raised him up and gave him an apostolic spectrum. No wonder he's the leader of the evangelical alliance. No wonder he's the leader of uh, uh, street pastors. He's involved in so many things where he has to cater for pastors, leaders, in the realm of the church and in the realm of uh, society and other places. But people don't see it because they say, oh, we like it comfortable. But the time has come and God is uh, extending his uh, invitation, his grace, and his love to you to come with him and to begin to walk in that place where men and women will come to be aligned apostolically and prophetically and the power of God will break forth in your midst and you see the tangible demonstration of his reality in the now 
But there is a caution here. The caution is that, first of all, in order to do that, number one, we are going to reposition ourselves. We're going to think differently, change our mindset, change our expectation. You know what I've discovered? As uh, the dear brother was saying this morning, you can either work it out according to the rationale of the world, what makes sense, the principles, or you can just lean on the Lord, on the rock, and let him sort you out. But my experience is very limited. I was minding my business when God came to me to heal me. And there was fire running through my veins. And many people who heard my story, they want me to pray for them. When he doesn't tell me to pray, I wait a little bit, but he keeps healing people. And things started happening. And people kept coming. And I didn't know what to do. So I went to the local priest and said, that, well, this is my story. Will you help me? He said, no, you haven't been to the seminary. <laughs> he said, you are disturbing us. He said, you are spoiling our business because our church members are coming to you. You are praying for them. They are getting healed. God loves the local church. And the only way that we can be blessed is through the local church. But God is not limited by the structure of local churches. God is looking for men and women who are ready to answer the call. And when they answer that call, they will begin to be on talking time with the Lord. What is he telling you? What is he telling your church? He's saying this day that there is a wind of change that is coming. There is a shifting in the realm of the spirit and the physical. And the way we have been doing certain things are going to change. Why? Because there are new people coming that don't fit the description of what you like. God is saying that we're going to be moved out of our comfort zone and we are going to embrace him his presence, and open up to him for him to use us to demonstrate his glory and do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it, even though that may not be exactly how we like it. My father wanted me to become a businessman. If you know a little bit about my story, Sometimes I'm a bit messed up because I've got so many qualifications that sometimes I wonder what I want to do with that. But my father said that the only way you can do kingdom work, which according to him doesn't pay much money, is for you to go to university and get all the qualifications. So he will be very assured that when the church can pay me, I've got enough qualifications to do a, a job that will pay me. So I did... Everything that my father wanted, but I was surprised that God honored my father. When I asked God whether I should go and do all these studies, these things, according to the system of the world, he said, yes, go for it. So what I'm saying today is that we are not saying that you're going to throw away 
all the nice structures, the organization, the administration that you are very good at. But we're saying that a time is coming when you are going to adapt those things to the new move. There are men and women that God is sending to this church and God is sending out of this church. But will we be prepared to understand the dynamics of uh, the new strategy for the mission? I can assure you that many people have good intentions. But I can also let you know that we have let God down as a people because we are too methodical. We are calculated and we just have a mindset that is very narrow, very limited, that we squeeze God out of that. Well, my theology, my upbringing, the mentality that I had, does not permit me to meet anybody on the bus. Going and looking for a God's person on the bus, that's crazy. But because I'm on a talking time with God, when God says, let's go, I go. When I say stop, I stop. When I say move, I move. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Well, I've been to a reformist theological college. The thing is bad. I mean, it's very legalistic. They taught me rules and regulations. You do it that way, you don't do it that way, that way, that way. I said, no, I don't need this. But they said that that is what I have to study and write paper on it, and they will give me the qualification at the time to be the pastor of that church. But guess what? I was minding my business, listen carefully, preaching the reformist teaching, a message against speaking in tongues, and right in the midst of the preaching, God came and started speaking in tongues in me. Listen, the elders of that church that I was pastoring, the deacons and the members was very, were very uncomfortable. They didn't like it. We were all surprised by God, but they would rather hold on to the doctrines and our beliefs than facing the reality of the new situation moving forward. Where are you today? We preach. It was recorded. And after the preaching, those days, we would stand at the door to say farewell to the people. You don't love them. You just shake their hand quickly and shake them out. That's what we, do, we did there. Now they don't do that in the reformist churches or reformed churches. They don't do that anymore. So while we're doing that, they whisked me away to the office. They sat me down. They said, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go back to that church in the evening. This was in the morning. And apologize that you have sinned. And you have broken the rules. I said, whose rules? He said, the tenets of our church, the mission of our church, the doctrines of our church. I said, I'm not going to do that. They said, why? You signed an agreement. I said, yes, I did. But I said also that I have been praying. I've been going up into the wood every morning, and every evening praying and asking God to send a revival. And God said that I just don't want 
to send revival. I want to live within you. I want to live in your church, in your house. I want to be with you and do whatever I do the best. I said, do it, Lord. So I said, Lord, do whatever you like with me, whichever way you want to do it. He said, are you sure? I said, yes. That will cost you everything. I said, fine. I said, this is my prayer. If God chose to come in the midst of the preaching, that was his message, to come through and talk as he wished, I'm not going to apologize for that. And they told me that this is going to cost you your job. I said, fine. I don't need a job. I need God. You see, in this time, I want you to know that they did sack me. They did a lot of publicity against me that I am not a, a reformed preacher anymore. But guess what happened? Out of that, God set me up to start a movement in West Africa that birthed so many churches, so many seminaries, so many things. And then in that process, the Lord came to me. He said, well, I need you. I said, Lord, what again? Now that the churches are established, they treat me well. I got everything that I needed. What is it? He said that I have a plan for England. I said, yes, what is the plan? He said, England is the gateway to the world. And then there is a revival, there is a power, there is something new that I'm going to do in England, which is going to be so significant to revive the people and bring back my presence to the earth that the thing will leave England to go to the rest of Europe, and from Europe it will go to America. I said, okay, so what has that got to do with me? He said, I want you to be one of the people to come down here to pray, to intercede, and avail yourself for me to carry this thing out. So I did come. But I'm very surprised. When I went to the British embassy in Accra, to collect a visa. The immigration officer didn't have any problem to allow me and grant me a missionary visa because he understood when I told him my story that that is what God told me I was coming to do here. He said, gentlemen, why do you want to leave all this money and all these churches and come over? I said, because I want to obey God. He granted the visa. But when I came here, a lot of British churches, British pastors, denominations have a lot of problem to discern what God is doing. They can see because some of them, unfortunately, are not on talking thing with God. But I'm inviting you to come to this place where you are on talking thing with God. Let go a little bit of your rationale, your intelligence, and let God take you there. Seriously. When I was going to get married in this country, I was married before the woman died. I was going to get married here. I said, God, who do you want to marry me? He said, Artie Kendall. I said, who is Artie Kendall? I asked people, they told me. So I said, who is he? He said that he's the elder, according to God, of the city of London. I said, okay. So I called up Artie Kendall. I said, will you marry me? He said, you come to church. As a church, we talk. I went there, he said, will you marry He said, why me? I said, because this has told me. I was shocked. In the office, Artie Kendall turned this way. Look up. He said, okay. This says, yes, we'll do it. He said, Artie Kendall of all people is on talking terms with God. His God is my God. Who is your God? I mean, what is going to be counted in this end time 
It's not just faith. It's not just Bible talk or intelligence or qualification. No. Have you got the currency of hearing him? And knowing the strategy that he's working with in this end time in order for you to move with him and be doing his kingdom things. No doubt, if we enter the realm of the prophetic, there are men and women that God has spoken to, men of significance to come to this church, women of significance to come to this church. But what God told these people to come and do, they are not seeing yet. God showed them some significant things. But strategically, they don't have that relationship with uh, the set man of the house, the elders, to start the conversation to begin to do what they are doing. So what I'm saying is that the trumpet has sounded. God has blown the trumpet for you and myself to understand that this church is a missional church. What does that mean in English? A missional church. A mission-minded church. A church that will grow and apostolically train people, release them for mission, for them to do what God has called them to do. You are not coming here to sit down just to have a service and warm up the pews, my friend. It's too late for that. God, there is fire on that seat that is not going to let you sit. And some of you, or many of you, your ministry is not out of this pulpit. It's not just you are called to preach from here, but there is something that the Lord has deposited in you to do for him. It could be healing on the streets. It could be evangelism out there or out there. But let me tell you something which is very important. God has surprised all of us and he's changing all the rules. The second story I want to tell you is that my wife is a wonderful person because she has changed my life. She helped me to tone down and adapt a little bit to the British culture. I'm still working on many things. Because, see, I love you guys, and I am very grateful for what you brought us. Seriously. I mean, you don't realize what your ancestors did. They did a great job. They surprised us. They obeyed God. Do you understand? And then God is saying now that sowing and reaping. Your ancestors have sown something into the nations. And now you are reaping back the harvest of what they have done. But surprisingly, mm, we know exactly how you are. We are wired differently. Do you get that? But we are still the fruit of what your ancestors did. So what are we going to do now? We're going to be in a place where we find out what God is saying in the now. So I said that the second testimony is that my wife sent me out to buy her some products to beautify herself for me. Some of the things. 
But when she asked me to buy those things, I didn't want to buy them. Because as an African man, you don't send an African man to the market to buy those things for you. <laughs> That's my makeup, right? But because I'm married to her and she sent me, I did go. And I was surprised by God again when I went there. You see, when you go, even against your will, or when you take the opportunity to go, God will surprise you. God will show up. So when we went to the mall, which is the supermarket, to buy the beauty products, the prophetic thing in me opened my eyes. So the woman, the white woman who was selling the product behind the till, I said, Madam, don't worry. The Lord is saying that it's all right. That what happened at 1 a.m. this morning, and that your man came back. Excuse me, you went to bed with her, it's okay. In spite of the pending divorce, he told you that he's born again, God said that it's okay. They started, the woman started crying. He said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand how this is very important. It meant so much to me. So she broke down. Well, it's a black man, with black people, made the white woman cry, and the police was called. <laughs> it's okay. That's how the system works. But I was not afraid. So don't be afraid that your pastor is bringing a black man to preach here. <laughs> I preached here before, but now the relationship has changed. It's not the same. Do you understand? It's a new thing. A lot of black people are coming to the church. Chinese people are coming to the church. And God is doing a new thing. So when the police came, they said, what happened? The woman was still sobbing and crying. And the other woman on the other side said, hey, I saw this man came, and he said something in a very heavy accent, and she started crying. I don't know why he did. The woman said, no, it's not true. It's not true. He said, this man is a prophet. He told me what happened in the secret of my house. He told me what was disturbing me, and God set me free. So I was crying for joy. So I told the police man that the thing that is disturbing you and they said they're going to operate has disappeared. He says, true. So the police woman said, can I also have some? I've got some lamp somewhere. Can that thing? I said, fire of the Holy Ghost go there. And revival broke in the marketplace. And instead of arresting us, they received Jesus. All I'm telling you that you can do the same. Don't take for granted your workplace. Don't take for granted the people you meet or the places you go. These are your mission field. Everywhere you go, God is looking for an opportunity that you allow him to show up, to come on the scene, to surprise someone supernaturally. And let me tell you something very important. It doesn't matter whether it's president, prime minister, a rich or poor, black or white. They do understand the language of the supernatural. When the thing happens, they don't care whether you have a heavy accent, you are francophone, you are black or white. They respond to that. And God wants you to know that he's just waiting upon you to let him flow through you. It's just a matter of you be willing and avail yourself. You see, I didn't do any special prayer. But you see, God used my wife to send me to the marketplace because God wanted revival. I didn't want to go. So maybe you have some doctrines, you have some upbringing, you have some belief system, you have some 
set ways that you do certain things. God wants you to be willing to give away those things to put them at his feet in order for him to become your rock and become the voice, the power, and lead you to go to the places where together you can get this done. Friends, hey, this God is a powerful God. But I have been learning to know him and to allow him to mold me, to prune me. Because when you go to the end of the passage, he's talking now about uh, something to do with uh, gardening and agriculture. Did you see that? He's talking about the harvest. But he said that before the harvest comes, there's going to be a heat. Can you see that? For this is what the Lord has told me. I will wait and watch from my place like scorching heat produced by the sunlight, like a cloud of mist in the heat of harvest. Before the harvest comes, friends, there's going to be a heating time. It's going to be a very uncomfortable time. There's going to be a time when we're going to embrace situations that we don't like. Things that are very uncomfortable. You can't get revival in habitation of the Lord by just being in control. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I've been working with the Lord for almost 40 years. But every day I wake up, I depend upon him. I prepared a very good message, but he's changing when I was kneeling down there. When I came, he said that let's do some uh, walking about and some things we did that, and then he, he messed me up. He messed me up. I said, but Lord, this is my opportunity to show off and, and, and show these people that I can preach that the things that I've learned in the seminary. He said, no, that's not what this is all about. It's not about you. It's about me. Just do it my way, and then I will touch those that I want to touch. I said, fine. But are you willing, as a people, are you willing, as a church, to lay down everything and become a little bit vulnerable for his vulnerable love to invade your privacy and raise you up and make you become a platform of uh, his power and his visitation so that men and women will come from far away places, as I can see in the realm of the spirit, and sit down here and say, I want what you got here. I was invited recently to go to Benin, a few other places. First of all, we went to a, for a healing conference. You know what the Lord did? He said, I said the testimony. I did say, I didn't pray for the people. I just asked them, if you have a condition, check your condition. They did. I said, check it back again. It's gone. It is gone. It was gone. Didn't pray for them. I'm not advocating against praying and laying all of hand. But you see, if God raised you up to a place where you begin to know him, then he will show the fruits. I don't follow signs and wonders. They follow me. And then you say that, oh, I want to be like you. It's a lie. 
The Bible says already concerning you in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, these are the signs that will follow those who believe. Are you a believer? Yes. So signs and wonders are following you. But are you giving them the opportunity to show up and do what they have to do or you are frightened and waiting to pray? Because you see, God is so gentle, the Holy Spirit, that he will respect you and he will respect me. But I am breaking you away from that fear and let you know that you have to be aware that signs and wonders are automatically following you and waiting upon you to release them. But you need to go where people want those signs and wonders and you need to use them. One day, the bishop said that he wants to see something. I said, fine, no problem. Just let the people worship, and I will come. When I came up to the school of the prophet that we were doing in Benin, friends, in this uh, September 2012 in Benin, oil, anointing oil was growing. Is it growing good English? The oil was appearing from uh, a marble floor physically, visibly. And the bishop and his people, they were babbling in it. They were just taking the oil and putting it in their, on, their, on themselves. They said, we want more. And the glory of the Lord was in the place. We couldn't teach. We couldn't do anything. But you see, I am not the kind of person who would take that on camera to come and show you. Because uh, next time you want that, help me and remind me and teach me how to do that so that we can polish that and show people. All I'm saying is that God hasn't changed. Even you as you are, I want you to know that God wants to do signs and wonders in your church, in your life, wherever you go. But will you allow him? In order for God to do that, you have to become dependable. You have to let go of your ego, and you have to give away your agenda to the Lord. You have to become less rationalized. You see, one power that we have in the Western church and the West is that people are very smart. But the trouble is, forgive me for what I'm going to say now. I did ask you to forgive me, though. The trouble is that God does not like it when people replace him with theology. When the way that you prepare a message is through the help of a software-based information, Bible commentaries, Bible dictionaries, uh, concordance, all these things are powerful tools, but they cannot take the place of God and the Holy Spirit. If we use these aids, fine. But we need to find the heart of the Holy Spirit and hear what he wants to say, allow him to do what he wants to do. If we refuse to do that, then we are planning a coup against God. We are trying to substitute God with another God that is the God of the intellect. Don't get me wrong. Education is very important. When I was 
in Benin, I had the opportunity to meet with the head of state. But my accreditation credential didn't take me there. The Holy Spirit opened the door. But when I got to the gate, to get to the high places where the president was staying, they wanted to check my credential. They said, how do we know you? So I was surprised, you see. So what is important is that you have to be on a talking tone with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit told me, surprisingly, he said, tell him that you are CITP. So I told him I'm CITP. He said, what does that mean? I said, Chartered Information Technology Professional. He said, can you prove it, sir? So I took out my membership card of British Computer Society showing that I am chartered, IT, professional. He saw it. He said, this is good. All right, come in. What I'm saying is that what you got is powerful. But how do you use it to bring the kingdom into manifestation? That's all I'm saying. Don't let go of your smartness. Don't let go of uh, the structure, the technology, all that you got, but they give it to God so that God will transform it to bring kingdom manifestation, to elevate you and to bring people into the kingdom so that the harvest will be great. And this place will be very small that you can't stay here. When I was praying to come to this church, so I started prophesying now. God opened my eyes in the realm of the spirit. And I saw that you have uh, bought a property. I will tell uh, your leader the details later on. It's very big, very big, that the amphitheater where he was speaking is almost like 20 times the size of this place. The cushions were very, very well done. And this place was just used like uh, offices. It is like uh, just, uh, uh, how do you call it? Uh, 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 annex, yeah? Office. And the traffic was so big that I said, Lord, what is it? And then he took me higher, and the whole place was like a campus, a whole campus. And the way that the church was operating, a lot of people were coming through, and churches were planted, and many people... I mean, many people from all walk of life, whether it's Asia, white, black, Indian, you name them, they were coming to be trained and be released to go and do what God called them to do. Hey, that is a wonderful picture. But from where we are now to get there, we are going to make a lot of adjustments. Because what you are doing now the setup that you have right now cannot cater for that one. So we pray that God will help you and bring the people alongside to prepare you for that next stage. To close my message, when I was in Benin, I thought that God took me there to preach, to heal the sick, and to cast out demons and to enjoy myself. 
But I discovered that he took me there to work on me. The time and the day that you think that you have arrived, you've lost it. I am a big fan of the message of grace. We are saved by grace is true. But I want you to know today that you and I, we are a work in progress. God is still working on us. We are under construction. There are new things that God is doing in your life, in my life. And we have to be willing to let him carry out his job and show us new things. So when I was staying at the hotel, there were men and women coming through. Some of them, they opened the door, you come and you surprise them in the room. I didn't have a good feeling when I saw some of them. You know that the hotel, they have their own key they can open anytime. But some of them, when I see them, clearly the Lord shows me that these are not hotel employees. They are from the sacred services. You see, you and I, we're going to learn what we do with what God reveals to us. Don't panic. When God shows you something, it's not necessary for you to do something about it, but it's for you to remember that he's your God. He's your father. He has adopted you and you shouldn't be afraid. So I didn't do anything about it. But you see, the government wanted me to come and talk to them. They know their job. So they want to check me out to find out whether this guy is kosher or not. Whether he's involved in anything. So they were coming there to check my thing to see whether there's anything suspicious or not. They did their job and they reported back to the president. And then they called me. And let me tell you something. When you are where you are supposed to be, in the realm where you are supposed to be, in the domain where you are supposed to be, and you create the right environment, the demonstration of the power of God will be super. Is that English? Hey, when I appeared in front of the president, it's like a video. The thing was just going fast. And I was giving him names, people's ranking, identification number, and some secret information that I, as a civilian, don't have access to, and giving him all the details. And mind you, because of the information that I gave there, overnight, the president changed his household the members working in this household, and they already, based on that information, had two change of government. What am I saying? God has entrusted unto you, as an individual, as a church, power, authority, to take his influence to the political realm, the educational realm, whatever realm you like. But first of all, you've got to prepare yourself. It's not going to happen by accident or by chance. No, 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 no. Before I went there, I did a lot of research, a lot of reading about Benin to understand where they are at economically, where they are at financially, what is the structure of the government. I did a lot of reading to prepare myself. So when all these information were coming, I was able to process it. And now I get invited to come 
and lecture the government. I mean, when the government of Benin will be in session, as a man of God, I will have to come and address them for one and a half hour, and they'll ask me questions. What am I saying? They lied to us years ago, and they said that the church doesn't need to have anything to do with politics. It's not true. It's not true. There are some of you that God will call and send to the arena of politics to influence them and represent God. It doesn't mean that you are a politician, but they need your voice there. They need the counsel of God through you there. There are some of you that God will send to the banking sector. God will send it to the family area. God will send to the local government. God will send to the educational sector. God will send to businesses. God will send to the entertainment, art, everywhere. Answer your call. You see, the kingdom of God is not limited to this place, to the preaching. So, my message is simple to you, is that God wants to surprise you. And the manner in which he wants to surprise you is for you to know that as you are, I mean, as you are right now, he has packaged you and made you ready to be his representative. He's willing and waiting upon you to open your mouth on his behalf to declare an oracle for something to change. He's waiting on you to allow him to flow through your hand to heal the sick. He's waiting on you to allow him to use your feet to walk and go to where he wants to go in order for him to be allowed to show his power. Friends, don't underestimate yourself. You see, we've we are caught up in this place where we believe that there are only some people who are carrying the power of God. It's not true. It's not true. I am not different from you. You ask my wife. She lives with me. She knows me. She knows me very well. Do you understand? I am the weakest man ever on earth. But I live by grace. I know a God who is a great God. He's bigger than me. He's bigger than all of us. But he's also gracious enough to operate even in our weaknesses. And he wants to operate through you. He wants you to take your position and admit today that you are a minister in your own right. You see, you may not be recognized by a denomination or be a reverend or be ordained, but God has ordained you. God has voted for you. God has raised you up in a time such like this so that you will be a carrier of his glory, that wherever you go, the glory will be there. Hey, I was invited to the British Parliament on the 13th of June, 2012. Out of the blue, you see, if God knows you, it's great. I had a phone call from this group, they say Maranatha something, they are Manchester. They say God has asked us to call on the 72 elders of the United Kingdom to sit in a session in the parliament for one hour, silent, completely silent in the chapel. And after the one hour, they should go to the room 106 where they do their business in the house of uh, whatever there, and then they will release the word of the law prophetically for this country. So I said, what do you call me? 
He said, because you are an elder of the United Kingdom. And guess what? I asked whether we can nominate somebody. They say yes. I nominate your pastor and I nominate someone else. They called the office and somebody said that he's busy on that day. I don't even know whether they told him. God is doing significant things and you have to be part of it. You have to be part of it. And in that place in the parliament, the MPs were there. And I'm surprised. Some of you, according to the news, you may just think that our prime minister, David Cameron, doesn't know God. It's not true. It's not true. The man is prophetically packed. I mean, God put him there. He's stuck. And there are a lot of things that he doesn't control. But in that room, that day, what they say, I'm not allowed to tell you. But God is in England. God is doing something, and you see, this is not the end of it. And the church has to wake up because we can stay and sit in the church and say that because of this, that is going on, and because of that, they've lost God. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I mean, hey, there are some nitty-gritty stuff that are going on, and God has not given up on this country. He hasn't given up on you. But you see, the church is... Supposed to realign and catch up with what God is doing. Because the message we are preaching has to be adapted to this 21st century. And it has to come with the power, it has to come also with the strategy and the leadership of the 21st century. You know what? I was very surprised. But this is to close my message because I know that you are time conscious. It's okay. Um, forgive me. I've done well today because the previous time I came here, I think I went over one hour, but this time not yet. <laughs> but I did ask you at the beginning to forgive because it's a talk, it's not a preaching, right? But we are trying to put some things together here. I was surprised that we have uh, almost in the United Kingdom, I mean the three things put together, England, Wales, and uh, Scotland, the three of them, when you put them together, uh, we have almost uh, across the board more than uh, 23,000 officially recorded, registered church leaders that are recognized one way or the other who are registered. 23,000, that's I know of. These are people who are recognized as leaders and they are leading the flock, right? But I was very surprised. According to the standard of the world, I was doing a research and I formed the Chartered Management Institute that is supposed to be one of the organizations recognizing leaders and managers. I formed the Institute of Leadership and Management that is supposed to recognize the leaders and the managers that are known and qualified. I was very surprised that on their list, you have only 15 preachers. 15 preachers, one five. And 14 of them are Roman Catholic and Anglican priests and sisters. We have a problem. 
Why is it that our leaders are afraid to tell the world that they understand their language and they are standing also for the same principles and recognition criteria? Why? Because we are born again? Because we have Holy Spirit? But the game has changed. For the simple reason that the various time that I was invited in the British Parliament, except for these uh, prophetic things, I go to all party parliamentarian, whatever. What do they call it? All party parliamentarian. Is it group? Uh -huh. They invite me to go to those ones. I go on the tickets of my uh, chartered management uh, fellowship. I don't go as a preacher. But these guys decide of things that are affecting your livelihood. They debate on all some of these things that somebody had to put in a different voice there. But we don't do that. Some of the time that I was invited in some other meetings to talk about certain things and become a prophetic voice is because of the professionalism. So you are professionals. What are you going to do about it? Prayer alone is not going to do it. Prophetically, you have to represent your church, your people, in your workplace, in the local schools, at the government levels, with the bank, and various places, to make your voice heard, to put in your vote, and even to change how your church is treated. So, simple, I want to let you know today that God is counting on you. God is happy with you as you are now. And as a church, God is about to surprise you. There is something very significant that is about to happen in Bromley Town Church to turn it into Bravo Technicians Convenes. People who organize something is Convenes. There's a change happening in the realm of the spirit. You have been Bromley Town Church for a long time, but God is turning you into technicians that are going to convene things that are going to blow people's minds and will surprise you. But my simple encouragement is this. It's not going to happen if we don't go for it. It's not going to happen if we don't go after it. It's going to happen when we cry out to God and say, God, prune me. God, break me. God, shock me. God, surprise me. God, take the opportunity to deliver me from myself. You see, you don't know, I don't know that we have problems. You see, I had a very wonderful experience with Clive and uh, Jonathan. Years ago, I think that was 95, we went to Coventry. When I was uh, 
in a way, introduced to the Western reality. We went to Coventry for fasting. In Africa, when you fast, you don't drink anything, you don't eat anything. You just maybe drink water and you pray. You pray all the time. Uh, this guy took me to that uh, uh, wonderful fasting. It was good because uh, there was a lot of teaching. A lot of teaching. You get that? And for the first time, I was aware that during fasting, you can drink. I think that day we drank uh, Guinness. <laughs> I was shocked, but it didn't kill me. <laughs> and in the night, I snore hardly. <laughs> Seriously. And then um, we came back. But it doesn't kill But I was shocked. I mean, I was surprised. To me, a normal Christian can't do that. But it didn't take away from me my Christian. But I was not legalistic. I was willing to learn. So let us begin to learn, open up to the Lord for him to change us and transform us and prepare us into the people who are ready to carry out this new thing. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. I have tried to convey what you want to say. Forgive me if I didn't say it the way you want to say. But Lord, you have your people here. Send your fire, Lord. Purge whatever you needed to purge from here. Refine them with your fire. Baptize them with a new zeal. And give them the kingdom touch. Move them from where they are at the moment and put them in a place where they can hear you clearly. That they can proclaim your oracles. Give them that holy boldness, Lord. Lord, set them up for a time such like this so that they will accept their calling as a church, as individuals, as families, and bring along the help of the strategies, the men and the women who have experienced how to build multicultural churches, multicultural apostolic communities, and help them further to avail themselves to you to become a, mich a missional church and a mission-minded people raise up from within them and from without apostolic leaders and prophetic leaders. Release from within them the fivefold ministry and reshape, Father, their eldership. Visit them in such a manner that there will be a light in this city and beyond so that the good work that they have been doing so far, many from far away places may see. Father, every man, every woman in the reach of my voice, let cancer die within their domain. Let every funny virus or whatever is uh, disturbing their body. 
receive the baptism of fire. Father, let their testimony be different from this day. So that when they go out of this place, they will say that I have experienced something with the Lord. For your sake, not my sake, Lord. Because I am coming in your name. I thank you. I praise you. Raise up in this place a prophetic altar. An altar that will speak, Lord. Let them hear you and let them jump. Let them get again, Father. That vigor. Let them get again, Father. That excitement. To stand for you as your people. Let this be a day of a new beginning. Let this be a day of a transformation and elevation. So that men and women that you have sent here, they spoke to, that are yet to be recognized by the leadership, may come out of the shadow of darkness. Father, expose this family so that what they are carrying will not sit in them. What's your name? Prob. I believe I hear the Lord saying that I know you very well. I know where you are coming from. I have brought you here so that you will be a pointer and the door to bring many other people that are connected to you one way or the other. And the Spirit of the Lord will tell me to share with you this day that don't worry about anything from this day. I am doing a new thing. I am going to enlarge the situation and give the opportunity even for all of them to be welcome. I am working on the structure. I am working on the leadership and uh, through your willingness and your sacrifice, I will make a way for all of them to be connected and to come here. Well, I'm not going to be able to prophesy for everybody because our time is gone. I want to keep the time. Uh, but I have a word for the gentleman there. Yeah, the one beside the red coat there. Sir, what's your name, please? Alassan. Vasan. 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 I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, that I have brought you out of uh, who you are, where you were, you were. Because I have a clear-cut job for you to do. I know you that you are a person of significance and you are carrying something that you are prepared and willing to share with this community if they are willing to listen to you. Because of what you have gone through and because of what you have been exposed to and you have seen, 
I want to know. I want you to know that I still love you. I have never abandoned you. I was there when they did all these things. But I brought you out and set you apart to be a light bearer, a torch bearer, to bring many of your people into my fold for them to see also my love and the demonstration of my reality. And if you obey, and through this, son, you bring healing to many congregations. You bring healing to many of your people, many households. And I will show you that I am indeed a good God. That your circumstances matter. But know that I, the Lord, have picked you up for a time such like this. And you're lost. Even though significant to you, I will replace it. And I will show you clearly that it is for a purpose. I give you praise. Some of the word that I'm giving today, there is a caution around it. Because some of you in this place, you are real generous. You are men and women in your domain, in your area, that God brought you here to do something. But don't let where you are at or what you have been through bring you down because there is hope for your future. And the Lord is going to surprise you. And the Lord is going to open up opportunities for you to function in such a way that you see the fruit, not only in this church, but beyond this church. Because you are part and parcel of something big. I mean, hey, it's big. It's very big. That is why we need to pray a lot for Jonathan. Because, you see, he's a a willing man. But he's just one person. It's important for God to give him the peace and like-minded people to support him so that he can see the bigger picture and that he will be able to carry the people. I think that I want to stop with your permission. Some of the words that I gave, I take responsibility. If there is anything that I said you don't agree with, you can speak with uh, the set man of the house, and I'm willing to take any correction, and God will help us. Thank you. Not met Francis before. You you're beginning to understand where he's coming from. Yeah, is that would that be true? Um, the good news is that Francis is a friend, a dear friend of this house, as you have heard him say, and we can easily have Francis come back to us and to minister to us again, uh, which we can organise. Uh, I just know that, uh, and I haven't prepared him. Francis and I haven't met for probably about a month or something, so I know that the things he is saying are coming from him and from God. They're not coming from what I have planted in him. Okay, So we do need to listen to this. I would say to you, do we understand everything that he had said? And I would be the first person to put up my hand and say no. But I have learnt with Francis that you don't worry. What you do is you turn to God and you say, God, help us. Help us to guide these things through. But what I do know is this, and I have attested from at the time that I have known him, Francis does see into the realm of the Spirit. And so the things that he is proclaiming and declaring 
we have to take notice of. And we have to raise our faith and we have to walk the walk that God is putting before us so that we can see him work out these things. But I, de- I claim and I, I declare over you this morning, you are, A, you are welcome in this house. The people who are here this morning and those that are connected with us, you are welcome here. You need to know that we love you and that we're so grateful that you are adding your part to us as a body of Christ. It's not just about me or the leadership or Rick or somebody who plays our worship team. It's not about that. We together are the people of God, and God is calling us for his purposes in the nation. You know, I have said this over the years, and all we're seeing is somebody come amongst us who is underlining those things and is showing to us, listen, we need to be very serious about the pathway that God has brought us on and what we're about because he wants to take us further. So do we know all the way ahead? And, and, and is it a case of us walking out of here this morning and saying, right, you know, I'm going to go and have a word with David Cameron this afternoon. I'm just putting right on a few things. And we know some of us have got more closer contact with David Cameron than others. So perhaps there's more responsibility for you there, Colin. Um, no, it just means that we go ahead. I'm very uh, blessed, Prab and Vasanth. That is from the Lord for you. And I know in my spirit that God has things for you to do. Uh, the problem sometimes is I don't always know how to work those things out, but we are believing that what God is speaking shall come to pass in your lives and that God will bring the fruit and that that, that will be fruit that is flowing from this house, fruit that's flowing in your families and, and fruit that's flowing right across your lives. And we want to see that and we, we bless God for that. So look, here we are, we're just uh, a few minutes late, but let's just pray now, we're just going to commit ourselves to the Lord, and, and just to say, we're going into this week, this is a, spiritually, this is a strong week, because we have things like the nation worships in terms of Halloween and, uh, and things like that. So let's just be prayerful this week, that God would guard the house, God would guide and help us in our lives, protect us, that we may arise to be the strong and mighty people of God that he has called us to be. Father, we just thank you for your presence and for your word to us this morning. We just bow before you, Lord, and we humble ourselves before you to know that you are at work in us, that you love us, and that you have called us for such a time as this. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or you're after more information about Bromley Town Church, do visit our website, www.bromleytownchurch.com.